0: It is. The end result is the same. Duty calls. I have searched the world over for you. That is so cool. You guys all just have this really tight bond. Just call me the computer
1: whispering.
0: He seemed so nice and
1: warm. You don't want to come back to my place? The smell makes me nauseous. I thought it was going to be a slow night.
2: It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound.
0: Can we go now?
2: Hey buddy. How you doing today, buddy? I'm I'm okay. Neat. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh <laughs> and I'm Rex. And today on Beer with Buffy, we're reviewing season 5 episode 13 entitled Blood Ties. That is correct. They've been tying all the bloods together, Blood. making all those hemoglobins trip over themselves. The shoelaces are just a fucking spaghetti mess.
1: Spaghettification of blood.
2: Just remember that. That is, yeah. No, like
1: you could actually make blood spaghetti. Neat. Because you you can substitute eggs and blood. Like if the, a recipe calls for eggs, there's a certain amount of blood that you can substitute it for because the properties of blood. Gross. Hey, speaking of
2: blood spaghettification, <laughs> fuck a doodle do, Rex. Why don't we rattle off a list of all of our executive doodle doos? And on this giant list of executive doodle doos, we have David Scheringhausen, Cubby Seal, Mr. Tabalicious, Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V. man Catrick J. Furr, Scarlet Choi, Cat Naming Services Heaps. Thanks for the shout out. We, we're not going to forget to name your cat. OK, just calm down. It's going to be OK. <laughs> Andy Burgess, Kayfronome, Father DeFenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you very much. Without you, this show literally isn't possible. Bam. Damn straight. Next on the docket. Hey, I keep yelling at you about iTunes reviews. Guess what? Some people gave us some iTunes reviews. Yeah, they came through. I think it was because I said it makes me sad when we don't get the wordy words on the, uh,
1: the on screen? the starry stars. I was going to say the wordy words on the screeny screen. On
2: the on the starry stars. The starry stars on the screeny screen Yeah, need the wordy words. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes me saddy sad. <laughs> That is correct. So
1: Rex is gonna <laughs> yell one at you, and then I'm gonna scream the other one at you, and then we're gonna move on. Five star review by the Stuffed Rabbit titled "Best Buffy Podcast" with two count 'em two exclamation points. Oh my! I'm noticing a theme. Yes. Uh, for a true review of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you should come here with the best insight and the most slightly inappropriate comedy. Beer with Buffy. I take offense to that. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Beer with Buffy gets down deep into it and feels like something I'd love to write for my composition classes in the ways it analyzes the smallest of details.
2: Ooh, they sound smart.
1: Oh, God damn it. (laughs) I was hoping you'd pick that one. I didn't read it all the way through before I did. Say it. Say it. Irregardless of how you feel about (laughs) Buffy or Angel, Rex and Josh bring great conversation and funnies to the table. Damn right. And then the footnote here. Also, after listening to Bear with Buffy 512, Passions was a real show, I hate to be that person. I'm mean, but truly, I love you guys and the show you make. Yes, this is not the first time that it has been pointed out to me that Passions is, in fact, a real show, and I was wrong. And you owe everybody a goddamn apology. It's not like (laughs) I fucking forgot that Star Wars existed or some shit like that. Like, it's... That's a- not the issue Rex. The issue is you were so sure of yourself.
2: And I just assumed that you like I don't know, do research about things that you're sure about. The
1: trick <laughs> is to be perfectly comfortable admitting when you're wrong. And you can be as confident as you want about the thing that you're saying as long as afterwards you remi- you admit you're wrong. And I admit I was wrong. Passions was a real show. I looked it up after the fact. I apologize. That being said... Oh my god. No, there should be no that being said after this. No, that being said, I didn't actually fucking watch TV during the time frame that Passions existed. I didn't watch TV during the time that Buffy was really on the air. In his
2: defense, you guys, he didn't watch TV at the time. I didn't! (laughs) So... Irregardless, Rex. Ugh, anyway, just leave it at the apology. Read the other review. Just
1: re- leave it read at the, the apology.
2: Review. Anyway, so the next apology, <laughs> the next review, is entitled "Good Stuff" five star review by I'm Feeling Sublime, and it goes like this. Just started listening a couple of weeks ago, and I'm loving the episodes. You guys are hilarious, and I like your episode breakdowns. And the mom synopsis is always so weird, they crack me up. Fingers crossed you don't go on one of your review famous sabbaticals soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Definitely.
1: The current schedule works. The current schedule works well.
2: Yeah, it's alright. We're hoping we can up the pace again uh, sooner than later, but right now, every other week is the best we can do. Um, Also, for our review drive... We announced a couple of episodes ago, or one episode ago, I don't remember, relatively recently, that somebody had won the grand prize. Of a beer with Buffy hoodie. Of a beer with Buffy hoodie, and uh, you have exactly one more episode cycle to claim that prize, or it's going to go on to somebody else again. Yeah. I'm trying to look up your name right now. Karen Hart Joe. Karen Hart Joe, if you are still listening,
1: claim your hoodie. All right, moving on. Oh, by the way, you that have reviewed us, get in touch with us via email or Facebook or Twitter direct message, and we can get you stickers.
2: Yeah, new reviews get free stickers. Next order of business, we have a cat naming tier. We, in fact, have a cat naming tier. And a longtime Patreon supporter of us, c in quotes Heaps and personal friend of ours, has decided to claim their reward. As such, we have a cat name for their cat, who already has... Two names. Yes. But just to give you a quick description, this cat they acquired through a friend of theirs who needed help fostering their cats while they were in limbo for housing things. And uh, they ended up keeping one of the three cats that they were fostering because C's uh, spouse, Mary, bonded with it a lot. And uh, they didn't like uh, her original name, Katie Cat, which is a cute pun, but... We all kind of agree it's a terrible name. It's a stupid (laughs) pun. It's cute, but it's stupid. And the other working name that they currently have, but obviously they're not entirely happy with, is Sojourner Truth. So uh, the cat, when they originally received her, she was so scared and skittish and ran downstairs and hid behind a wall. And um, Mary had to go down there and make soothing, comforting, cooing noises at her and... type stuff <laughs> to get her to come out of the wall. And the only person she would come out for was for Mary. And uh now they are like best friends. And yeah. Mary loves this cat. And she wasn't a cat person prior to.
1: Yeah, the the previous owner came back to claim the cats, but could only take two back of the three. And so they, they kept this cat. And once this cat had no other cats around, they just blossomed into this very outgoing and affectionate cat. Yeah,
2: she's a lovely cat. She's a black cat. I love black cats. I have a black cat. His name is Mickey. They're they get such a bad rap and They do. and it's so dangerous to let them be outside on Halloween because people are assholes. Yeah. But lots of black cats in Uh, folklore and uh, historical stuff and lots of fun things we can do here. So we're going to see what me and Rex came up with and then we're going to settle the debate like fucking gentlemen. Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's right. Do you want to go first, Rex? I have one name. It took a lot of work to get to this name. The name is Dame Daphne Du Meowray. (laughs) (laughs) Meowray. Okay, you want to break that down? So... Dame Daphne du Maurier, I think that's how you pronounce it, it's French. The point is, she's a very well-known author, because most people have definitely heard of her works, but they don't know they've heard of her works, because she's been highly overshadowed by other individuals. And I thought that that was appropriate, because this cat, before when the other cats were there, was very overshadowed and kind of often skittish because the other cats were there. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was appropriate because Daphne wrote some pieces of literature that you have heard of. Rebecca, The Birds. Oh, The Birds. Jamaica Inn, Frenchman's Creek, Hungry Hill, My Cousin Rachel. Those are all novels that of hers that were made into films. Okay. Uh, I think two of these, Rebecca and The Birds, were Hitchcock and he had a third script adaptation from one of her books but yeah she wrote so the author's name is
2: Daphne Dumouri and the cat's the cat name is, is- Daphne Dumiauri. yeah okay that's the whole name
1: yes okay but she also wrote a lot of like dark fiction black cat dark fiction i like it yeah
2: okay um i don't have anything particularly complicated or clever from this one uh but one thing that came to mind from Uh, Well, I'll explain it in a moment, but the name that came to mind is Kisa. K-I-S-A. It is kitten in Japanese. And let me take a moment to explain that, because it seems really simple, but this character is from Fruits
1: Basket... I knew you were going to say Fruits Basket. Yeah, an anime, and uh,
2: before it was an anime, it was a, what do you call those? Manga. Manga. It was a manga. I haven't read the manga, but I'm a fan of both of the animes, the original and the remake. So she is an extraordinarily shy character who slowly becomes extremely affectionate to her favorite person, which is uh, Toru Honda, the main character of the show, because she understands her and treats her with respect that she never got from her own family. And uh, I think it's just too fucking fitting. Also, there's this thing in the plot of Fruits Basket where uh, this whole family, the Somas, they turn into animals when hugged by a member of the opposite sex. But they specifically turn into mem- uh, members of the Chinese Zodiac. And Kisa turns into a tiger. Oh. And so she's already a cat. And she's not a black cat, so she doesn't turn into a panther, but close, fucking close enough. That's not bad. An honorable mention. I had a second name, but I feel like it's forced, but I want to throw it out there anyway. It's possible you'll like it better is Dr. Wednesday, the Gothic House Panther, because I like Wednesday Adams from the Adams family, of course, uh, who's another misunderstood, very dark character who becomes very affectionate to those she deems worthy as seen in Adams family Two, Adams family values. Um, oh,
1: it's been so long since I've seen that I, don't I remember just
2: it. I just watched it on uh, Hulu before they got rid of it. Ah. Uh, it was oh my God, so much funnier as an adult than it was as a kid. I <laughs> am not, not 30 surprised. years later I'm not it's surprised. actually fucking hilarious. Anyway, that's why Wednesday and also Doctor because even though you adopted her, she's inevitably the one who saved you. Duh. isn't that fucking <laughs> special
1: and what what was the first name again?
2: Kisa Kisa. Japanese for kitten. I like Kisa. I do too.
1: It's, it's.
2: And she's such a sweet character. Yeah. I, it's and very fitting. It's a
1: very sweet sounding name. It, it is. I, shit, I think I have to go with yours.
2: Neat. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to argue with
1: that. I think yours was
2: clever, but I think Kisa, it's an all round. Like, I always think, what do you want to call out the door publicly if you're calling this cat? Here, Kisa, 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 Kisa,
1: Kisa, Kisa. Yeah. Uh, That really works. Yeah, and it sounds like Kiss a little bit. So that's fun. No, it's a very sweet-sounding name for a very sweet cat.
2: Say your name one more time for me. Dame Daphne du Miaore. Oh, there was a dame on the front of it. I forgot about that. Yes. Did you explain that dame Oh No, no, I did not explain
1: it. So I learned that dame is the female equivalent of a knight. I did not know that previously. I did not know that either. You know... That changes a lot of, like... Yeah, it feeling. just
2: just made me think of Guys and, guys and Dolls. Yeah! Mm. Right. Guys and dolls! Oh, yes, we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls! Those are actually the Simpsons lyrics that are actually nowhere in Guys and Dolls. So are you voting for your name? Yes, I'm voting okay. for Kisa.
1: Kisa, Kisa wins. We there, s- there you go. See and Mary, Your cat's name is now Kisa. Yep, we settled it. Like, fucking gentlemen, you're welcome. And whether you actually select it or not, I'll probably still call your cat that. Exactly. <laughs> that is correct. Hey, we're on to the mom synopsis. Brilliant. Whose idea was that?
2: Oh, right. It was mine originally. <laughs> Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? Trying not to let the existential dread sink in, ma. Oh, that's good, Joshua. Don't let it sink in. Yeah, that's, that's what I just said I'm, I'm trying to do. Well, don't let it happen, Joshua. I'm telling you, that's bad. I fucking know, mom. If you say so, honey, I'll leave you to it then. (laughs) Mom, is everyone out to get me? I'd be lying if I said no, Joshua. (laughs) What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Who are you? Where am I? Oh, hush, Joshua. Don't be so dramatic. How can I not be dramatic? when reality is crumbling in front of my very eyes. Oh, Joshua, that's just absurd. (laughs) Joshua, what are you doing, Joshua? Dad. Oh, God. (laughs) You were mom just now and you morphed into dad. But I thought I murdered you on Christmas. You stupid (laughs) bastard. You can't kill me. Me and your mom are the same person. That makes no fucking sense, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, the sex was the hardest part. (laughs) Don't get me started on the birthing process. (laughs) Wait, what about that one time you were in the room together at the same time? Shut up! I'm here to warn you. Your mother isn't just a psychotic, neglectful narcissist. She's also a god from hell, and she's coming for you. Oh no, that's terrible. She's already insufferable. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Joshua? You're an all right kid. Daddy, all I ever wanted was your validation and approval. Shut up, loser. Don't tell anybody. Uh Uh-oh. And then he said, I am the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? And so I just paid for the custard and left because that's just inappropriate. Cool story, Mom. Uh, I I think all my existential dread is melted away. I'm going to go over here now. Because today on Buffy the Vampire Slayer... Buffy seems to think it's a great idea to tell the Scoobies all about Dawn being the key now, and they all start acting super weird about it, so Dawn gets even more suspicious than she already was and breaks into the magic shop with Spike and reads Giles' notes and completely figures everything out. The next day, after misunderstanding yet another overheard conversation, Dawn runs away, forcing the Scoobies to comb the city to find her. And they all converge at the hospital, where Dawn finds Ben in the mental ward and confides in him about her traumatic existential discovery. And Ben immediately knows she's the key and freaks out because, spoiler alert, Ben is Glory! Glory is Ben! And he promptly morphs into Glory. But it's more of a brother-sister Jekyll-Hyde situation than a same-person kind of ordeal. So, Buffy tracks down Glory by overhearing something about a dead security guard, and her and Glory fight, this time with the whole Scooby gang backing her. Tara and Willow teleport her into the sky, Buffy and Dawn have a beautiful bonding moment, and fuck off home, because Joyce is worried. The end.
1: God damn, that's way more succinct than the episode felt.
2: Right? Yeah, and Then then <laughs> there's some shit about the Knights of Byzantium.
1: Yeah, whatever.
2: whatever. <laughs> Ladies. Gentlemen, spiny-headed looking creatures. Soon as the sun goes down,
0: down, vamp, vampire. Soon as the sun goes down, down, vamp, vampire.
1: Competition is a beautiful thing. Cold open. We open at the magic box where the Scoobies are I imagine this is like the same night after the Watchers console left. But the Scoobies are talking about uh Buffy's birthday coming up, and Buffy's like, no, like we need to talk about glory. Yeah, it's a
2: distraction. She's got a god to kill. Yeah. Willow argues the contrary, because Buffy deserves a distraction, because she's fighting a god. And you know that, honestly, I back that idea. I absolutely do as well. Tomato, potato. So... Yeah, Willow's actual line is, well, you know what they say, the bigger they are, and this is the two sides of the argument right here, succinctly between Willow and Anya. Well, you know the, what they say, the bigger they are, Anya replies, the faster they stomp you into nothing. Yeah. And that's that's the two sides of the argument. Uh, do you want to have cake, or do you want to get face stomped into the fucking ground? Eh, why not both, why not? I choose cake. I choose both. I choose cake. Also Cake.
1: I don't want to be face stomped into the I'm ground. Sorry,
2: I I meant, do you want to not get your face stomped into the ground?
1: I would like to not get my... Yes, I choose both.
2: But also cake, yes.
1: Can I have my cake and not be stomped into the ground? Sure. All you like, have to do is take
2: a picture of it. it Wait, does roll think, off
1: the tongue as well as have your cake and eat it, too. Uh,
2: Yeah, I think I misunderstood the question. It's okay. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> this launches Giles
2: into explaining that Gloria and her two fellow hell gods used to rule over... One of the more unpleasant demon dimensions. Uh, Yeah, that's right. There's thousands of them, apparently. And her human form is limiting her powers. Hence, no fancy lightning bolts or special powers, per se. All we know is she's immortal, invulnerable, and insane.
1: Yeah. You know, this is, of course, when the Scoobies... Start going, hey, how about we figure out what the fuck this key thing is and we find the key and hey, we should look. What what about this key? The thing that Glory definitely wants and we don't know anything about.
2: Oh, guess what? We already know exactly what and where the key is. They don't know what it's for, but that doesn't stop them from getting a whole lot of
1: heat from the Scooby gang at large. And, you know, eventually she actually comes clean and she tells them about Dawn. Yeah.
2: So, shit just got stepped up a notch here. Now the entire Scooby gang knows this potentially world-threatening secret of theirs.
1: I also feel, though, that, like, uh, Buffy did not really press into them the importance of, like, acting normal about this thing. Well, this was one of those off-camera things
2: that we didn't really get to see her explanation, yeah. or how she pressed that into them, if at all. And regardless of that, irregardless of that even, I completely take issue with this and the rest of this whole episode, except for the fact that this was where the writer's team simply wanted to take it, yeah, and it caused the proper amount of drama, woo-yay, other than that, logically, I completely take issue with this because I don't think tactically that it's any fucking better for the Scoobies to know than it was before. So what if they're risking their lives? They're risking their lives more now by knowing the details. Yep. And they're risking Don and the fucking world. Only one of them has to get captured and tortured now. Before it was Buffy Giles Joyce, which was too, too many, frankly. Yes. <laughs> And now there's four or five more
1: that know. I mean, the whole group Willow, Tara, Willow, Anya, Tara, Anya Xander, Xander, Spike, by the end of the episode, and Dawn. And Dawn.
2: So that's six total more. They only have and to ben. capture one. And Ben. And Ben, who is Glory. <laughs> God damn it. Which somebody spoiled that for me a few episodes ago, and it's been very difficult now to say anything about it.
1: I, I knew it the whole time because I remembered it. I but. didn't
2: remember that at all, but whatever.
1: Uh, shit happens. Anyway. I don't remember the mechanism behind it, though. Uh, from there, we cut to a random place in the fucking wilderness where... The- I think
2: it was a gra- uh, one of the graveyards. Because we know there's like 12 of them. Yeah. Uh,
1: but it's the, the Knights of B- Byzantium, Byzantium.
2: Byzantium, I think. Byzant- whatever. I wrote, I wrote it down uh. later. Pick a pronunciation and run with it. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, the knights if are there's all there. One thing we've learned, Rex, it's that people love to interact with us when we're wrong. Yeah. So
1: Um <laughs> Yeah, the knights are there and they're they're kind of uh they're a bit culty. They're, yeah, doing, a they're bit. doing a bit ritualistic culty stuff.
2: Yeah, they're <laughs> chanting some stuff about God's will be done, break yeah. the link, etc. Yada. You are the weakest link. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> You ought to be. You really ought to be. I am. I (sighs) am. I am ashamed of myself. And so, Jinx shows up. Yep, Jinx shows up. Jinx is kind of a badass. I I mean... He doesn't do a whole lot. I, I still think either him or Dreg could easily be throttled by a toddler, but... That didn't stop him from taking on an entire squad of the Knights of Byzantium. And well, were- I
1: mean, there were other minions aside from Jinx, though. They uh, there were two or three others that died
2: in this fight. Yeah, I didn't see any. I only saw Jinx. Who no, was- there who-
1: were there were multiple minions. The other ones were un- unnamed, unknown. Were they demons? The- no, they they were just like Jinx, just like him. But I watched
2: the- it several times, and I did not see anybody else in there besides Jinx.
1: There was there was more than one. I like I'll take your word I for could, it. I could be wrong, but I I remember there being more than one. <laughs> I wrote I specifically wrote down Minions Plural. Okay.
2: See, and, I, that's why I went back and watched it because I was like, wait, was Dreg there? But yeah, uh Jinx is about to die. He gets himself some medieval ninja action. Uh Glory saves him. Yeah, he nearly loses very quickly because the b- these Knights of Byzantium are not nearly as badass as I thought they were. Um, it, that being said, I mean, we've never really seen Jinx or Drag or any of these minions do anything vaguely useful other than be blithering idiots and sniveling old yes-men. But honestly, this fight scene is a bit wishy-washy anyway, and you can't really tell how the fuck Jinx takes down as many as he does, unless you are right, and there are, in fact, multiples. Um, but there's three of them left by the time he's disarmed and helpless. At which point, Glory steps in yep. before he gets stabbed in the face, and she makes mincemeat out of them mouses. And, oh my god, the whole, f- like, most of this fight, one of the knights <laughs> is doing the stupid trope where he's crawling for his sword really slowly. Because <laughs> he lost it very early in the fight. While she's fighting these other dudes, he's going for his sword, but she gets to it first. Surprise! Her line is
1: fucking ridiculously dumb, too. Yeah, it's it's cheesy. Nice sword. Bet it hurts.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we find out later that this is Orlando. This is the same guy that Buffy straddled briefly yeah. the first time we saw the Knights of Byzantium, and his name is Orlando, and uh, Glory kidnaps him, but we technically don't know that Yeah, Right.
1: Opening credits. Yeah. Hey, Rex. Hey, what?
2: I have a surprise for you. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. my god <laughs> yeah. <What the> fuck? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what the fuck? JJ <laughs> Treadway is a very talented man. <laughs> that cost me thirty dollars. <laughs> Best thirty dollars I ever spent. <laughs> That is, did that annoy you as much as I wanted it to?
1: It was annoying, but not nearly as annoying as you doing it. Oh
2: well, it's it was fun anyway.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god, um, we're gonna be put. I'm gonna put that shit up on YouTube and yeah. TikTok and whatever. That,
1: there's a ringtone.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, oh man.
2: Anyway, so there's your opening <laughs> sequence, everybody. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get
1: sued. <laughs> no, that's a that's an original work.
2: I because it's parody. I like to think so. Uh, even Weird Al has to get permission.
1: No, he doesn't. Not legally. Ah,
2: okay, he does no, anyway. Because he
1: he he does it because that's the professional thing to do. But legally, but he doesn't. Legally, he doesn't have to because he is using very similar music, but not the exact same music. Like, him and his band create the music, and he writes new lyrics. So, like, okay. it's considered an original work.
2: Generally, they own the the master track, but you can't copyright the notes themselves. I don't know. Anyway, we're not copyright lawyers, but sure, I'll take Rex's word for it. Cut to the Magic Box exterior.
1: Yes, where Tara and Willer are doing a spell. Like they do. Um, Specifically, they are doing a level one abjuration spell. Is that what they called it? Yeah, well the the spell alarm. It's basically a perimeter alarm, yeah. Uh in D is a level one abjuration spell. Oh neat. And it is a level one abjuration spell in every form of DD that exists.
2: Splendid. So Dawn approaches, and we must now keep in mind that the entire Scooby Gang is now completely appraised of Dawn's status as a celestial ball of energy yeah. turned to human with superimposed history. And by the way, they're all super fucking stupid about it. Like, they couldn't possibly act more guilty and awkward towards her. She's like, hey, can I help? And they're like, ooh, I don't know how Buffy'd feel about that. And she's like, all right, whatever, and walks away.
1: I mean, that's kind of par for the course of, like, normal.
2: I mean, normally like, normally Willow and Tara are pretty supportive. And, hey, Don, we love Dawn. Um, But, yeah. Regardless of all that, Don walks away towards the magic shop, and before she even gets inside, Tara whispers, How can she not be real? And I'm like, Oh my god. Right. Let her get out of earshot first. Yeah. But put a fucking door
1: between you first. Seriously. I can't imagine why she's so suspicious. Yeah, and then of course she walks inside and immediately Anya and Xander are they're really fucking it up. They're just as bad if not ten times worse. Anya's definitely the worst. Oh, absolutely. Um <laughs> but <laughs> you make a very pretty <clears throat> little girl. Yeah. Xander <laughs> is very much overcompensating with his like nicey nice I'm the fun uncle kind of I'm gonna shtick. get you and yeah. tickles
2: her and like we've never seen him tickle her before. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely with the overcompensating. Uh, but she, I mean, she seems to enjoy the positive attention, but Anya just completely fucks it up right off the bat. She blurts out, you make a very pretty little girl, which luckily can be chalked up easily to Anya being Anya yeah. for the moment. But that doesn't last. Xander drags her away, saying, I need help with a thing. <laughs> Xander needs help with his thing. I'm like, yeah, I bet he does.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, his penis, right? Who knows? Yeah.
1: It basically, Don just kind of rolls her eyes at it.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, Xander does make a habit of getting diseases from Shumash Tribe. So, all right, maybe just the ones. Anyways, Buffy... uh, Xander's
1: penis getting diseases from the Shumash Tribe.
2: Yeah, what did I say?
1: You said Xander, but it's specifically his penis. Well,
2: specifically his penis. Xander yeah. has nothing to do with his penis, as we all know.
1: I mean... They're barely acquainted because, like, he cannot control it. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> can
2: only think with one at a time. Yes. That is for sure. Uh, hey,
1: Xander and Xander's penis have a very Glory Ben relationship. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so, Once one's in the room, the other one's nowhere to be gone, seen. Gone. <laughs> totally gone.
2: Just like my mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, except for that one time. But we don't talk about that. Well,
0: this
1: guy wants to fight with weapons. I've got it covered from A to Z. Um,
0: Act to the other
2: i I'm fairly certain I said no interruptions. As Buffy and Giles debate over whether Buffy's training should be more challenging, the conversation with Don shifts to them instead of the other Scoobies real quick, and I have a quarter of the day out of the gate here. Oh, I bet I know what it was. Buffy says, Uh, how was school today? Um, the usual. Big square building filled with boredom and despair
1: yeah that that was your guess yeah there it is i wrote it down as well and uh don i regret to inform you that's just capitalism right (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) you're learning how to be compliant Yeah, congratulations (laughs) please
1: proceed to the next corridor welcome to consumerhood at the end there's cake (laughs) spoiler
2: alert there is no cake
1: it is in fact a lie
2: uh yeah school's not designed to teach you things it's meant to hold you captive and indoctrinate you into the ways of capitalism (laughs) so during a minor verbal sparring with buffy dawn notices giles hides some books in a drawer while operating the cash register
1: she doesn't notice that he hides the books she notices that the books are there and then and then looks back they're gone they're gone yes that's a specific I, note because that she uses that clue to figure out where they are.
2: That later. is correct, but I think she parses two and two together. Yeah. Um so Don digs for information about Glory, she knows they're hiding something from her and it's got something to do with Glory and she's right. So of course. It does. Uh taking digs at Buffy is the main course of action. Uh Don asks for help with her homework, Buffy says maybe later, Don guesses it as it Dawn guesses at it being related to Glory, which Buffy denies, and Dawn therefore lashes out with, I just think you're freaking out because you have to fight someone prettier than you. That is the case, right? Yeah. I find this entirely appropriate because now that I think about it, Rex, I'm always like, God, why is Dawn so fucking mean? She's such a mean little girl. But then I realize, oh, right. Right. She's pissed because they're all constantly lying to her and excluding her. Yeah. And she's right about it. Oh, yeah. And they lie to her about her being right about it. Yeah. And act like she's just being immature,
1: which would make me pretty fucking mean, too. Oh, yeah. Like, they constantly gaslighting the shit out of Dawn. Yes,
2: exactly. Shit. I didn't even put two and two together. That is
1: gaslighting. It is. God damn it. It is.
2: Oh, man. that I'm so happy about that because that means I intrinsically hate gaslighting. Not just because you've labeled it as gaslighting. Yeah. Neat. Cut to Glory's apartment slash mansion or wherever the fuck she is.
1: Penthouse. Castle. Yeah. You know, something I, like I that. I can never
2: tell if it's the same place or if she's in a different place. Whatever. Probably but- still in that. Castle penthouse whatever
1: she's torturing the night he doesn't want to tell her even if he knew I wouldn't tell you mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 she can't get any information out of him she makes some jokes about him not getting laid and then take takes his mental cohesiveness and and he goes crazy
2: yeah she she almost tries to seduce him and then says ah eh, fuck it I'm just gonna eat your brain um but we're not unreasonable I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes yeah Oh my god! Uh, oh, it's almost May. <laughs> fucking outside! Yeah. Hey, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> cut to Buffy's house. If you're getting all these references, good for you.
1: That's my favorite Colton song. By the way.
2: <laughs> anyway, cut to Buffy's house where it's birthday time. Happy, happy birthday! How appropriate! It was just my birthday very recently. Yeah! What a quinky dink. Anya covets Buffy's presence, Giles does not, because he's got a top just like that one.
1: This was actually one of my quotes of the day. In reference to the, the clothing that Buffy got, Anya says, It's so lovely, I wish it was mine. And then everyone, of course, like, looks at her, and she's like, Oh, like, you weren't all thinking the same thing. And then the quote is, Giles, I'm fairly certain I wasn't. And then he leans over, covertly says to, to Xander... I've got one just like it.
2: <laughs> I love it when Giles makes those little uh, side remarks. Well, he it, does have a sense of humor.
1: Yeah, but it also like, especially in this kind of moment, this makes him feel much more part of the Scoobies, not over. Yeah, or so a lot to the of side. times
2: he's he's punching back against their quippiness, not joining in. Yeah. It's yeah. really nice to see Giles joining in. I agree.
1: I think one of my favorite aspects of the subtle changes of the show as you go further Mm -hmm. into the the show is how giles goes from being this mentor leader to just part of the group kind of side by side with buffy and then eventually buffy is the boss and you know he just follows suit and this you know little moments like these just kind of lean into that
2: absolutely foreshadowing or yeah, character growth, definitely. Yeah, character development. Definitely. And uh, so Dawn gives Buffy uh, for her birthday present a picture of her and her dad at the beach.
1: I teared up a little bit.
2: It's it's a very emotional moment. Yeah. Uh, Buffy gets all misty-eyed over it, and Dawn's like, Jeezy you guys, I just couldn't afford a real present. But Buffy really appreciates it. It's
1: also, though, like, a really good sentimental gift. You know, a picture of you and your sister... And then you decorated the frame with shells that you both gathered on that trip. That That's, that's an excellent fucking gift when you have no money.
2: And add on to that, uh, I'm not sure it would have hit Buffy the same, but she's struggling with this whole knowledge that Dawn is a mystically recently created fabrication of a sister. Uh, and this episode, this is leaning into... The transitional moment where Buffy and the rest of the Scoobies make the conscious decision that they are choosing Dawn as family. Exactly. Um, regardless of her origins and that they love her anyway. And they want to canonically keep these technically false memories, but they're real enough, so why not?
1: Yeah, and honestly... Uh- pin in that specific topic because uh, later on there's a point where I really want to go into that. Yeah. Uh, for a very specific reason. Yeah.
2: So it's it's a lovely moment. Lots of character development all wrapped up in this one oh, little yeah. moment. And we cut to the kitchen. Yeah. A little,
1: a little bit later in the evening I'm, I'm guessing.
2: Not too much later. It feels like half an hour hour. Right.
1: Yeah. Because I mean they haven't had cake yet.
2: Right, exactly. So Joyce speaks, uh, in my opinion, overly frankly and carelessly about Don, like a fucking idiot. And honestly, her question isn't even something I can imagine someone as motherly as Joyce asking about her own daughter, even with her knowledge of who and what Don is. Yeah, c- how, how was that
1: worded? Like, I recalled what she said. The actual
2: but, line but- is... She's talking to Buffy and she says, it still seems to me like there's a lot you don't know about this. I mean, is she dangerous? Come on. Joyce is well past that. Right.
1: She ought to be. She does not think. She damn well ought to be. She
2: does not believe in any way that Dawn is dangerous. This was a forced line by the writers or showrunner, director, whoever. Somebody forced this and I don't like it. So Buffy sees Dawn looking towards them from the living room obviously noticing that they're muttering in hushed tones about her still. And, uh, she doesn't
1: know it's about her yet, but, but she's, she's got strong fucking suspicions.
2: And they are warranted, yeah. but she needs plates for cake, so that's her excuse. And uh, cake. she gets them from Buffy and delivers them to the living room, where she again catches Willow, Tara, and Xander, and Anya acting super extra fucking awkward the second she walks in.
1: And this is where everyone oversteers out their ass. Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) She's like, why are you all acting so weird? Xander, me? Me not weird. Oh, well done. Yeah. So good. The slow clapper is still working.
1: Excellent. (laughs) I don't know what we'd do if that broke. We'd have to use the fast clapper, and that just doesn't have the same effect.
2: Definitely Def- definitely not the same effect. No, At
1: best, the fast clapper, we could like turn it on and off.
2: Yeah, you can maybe but... turn some lights on and off with it remotely. <clears throat> <laughs> so Dawn's had enough and she blows up at the whole room for lying through their teeth at her for like literally her entire life <laughs> of six months. So she stomps up to her room to make sure that she's not exposed
1: to like, you know, words yeah. and stuff. Here's the biggest problem I have with this moment is that... Xander, Anya, and Willow, and Tara are all kind of acting weird, and, and Dawn's calling them out on it. Mm-hmm. And then this is when Buffy, Giles, and Joyce come back into the room. Dawn is notably upset, and yep. obviously everyone fucking knows precisely why she's upset. Uh-huh. And Buffy redirects the conversation, but not in any way that like feels right.
2: I feel like they like, could have so easily sat her down and explained to her, we know something, and we want would you have to been know. been
1: exactly the right time.
2: Yeah. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're safer not knowing. You're not crazy. That's the key. No. <laughs> Ironically, that's the key. She needs to know that she's not crazy. Exactly. She is noticing something, and she's right to question it. But we cannot tell you for your own safety. We will tell you in good time. I'm sorry.
1: I find that a lot of TV shows have this problem of like failing to be able to allow characters to know half measure where like they
2: could have made something up that made equally as much sense. Tell her she's adopted or something. Tell her... Well, okay, like, maybe that's irresponsible, no, like, too. I don't know. No, I don't
1: even think... <laughs> I don't even think that it would need to be discussed further than, look, you're not crazy. Something is up. Mm-hmm. But it's a big problem with Glory right now. And it's very dangerous. We want to tell you, but it makes you a target by knowing it. And like, there's there's never a point where it seems that Buffy adequately presses to to dawn that it's like i'm not trying to protect you and baby you i'm trying to protect you because you're a person and i have superpowers that distinction needs to get made yeah and no one fucking makes it no one fucking. you're not in
2: a normal situation uh you're you're not being babied that that would have helped however none of that is conducive to quickly generating drama and boy yeah. is this show a drama machine and they got the job done so i guess i'll just kind of sort of accept um the means to the end
1: here and yeah you know as much as i hate how what they chose to do or how they chose to take the next step yeah i like the next step i'm not in your room i'm in the hallway the hallway doesn't belong to you mom i can
2: stand in the hallway right
0: Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died
1: because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. So Dawn storms upstairs, slams her door, and then promptly sneaks out and immediately runs into Spike.
2: <laughs> yes, Dawn escapes her suburban nightmare hellscape for a brief moment, and Spike is there. It's an instant improvement.
1: It is. Oh, it what, is. What could possibly go wrong? It's a particularly instant improvement, I think, because, like, the dynamic these two characters have. It's fun. It's fucking excellent. Yeah.
2: Um. I mean, she only looks like a 14-year-old girl, but she's actually this ethereal ball of power. And yeah. she kind of actually starts acting like it completely unknowingly here. Right. She's like, fuck you. I have power over you. Quote of the day. Don says, geez, lurk much? Spike responds, <laughs> I wasn't lurking. I was standing about. It's a whole different vibe.
1: I told, that was one of my quotes of the day. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, good, good. it's a good line. It's so Spike. Spike! But, oh, hey, can spike, can Spike, 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 Spike! But my favorite part about that line is that he, in that line, perfectly illustrates the difference between him and Angel as characters. <laughs> He's not lurky, and Angel's a lurky, lurky boy. He is a lurky, lurky boy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who's a lurky, lurky boy. Oh, my God. Write that one down for the musical episode. I will not.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it really only takes a small amount of being laughed at by a fifteen 14-year-old year girl for an immortal badass to succumb to peer pressure, it turns out. Yeah. And uh, Spike was just being a good little stalker and trying to give Buffy a dilapidated box of chocolates so that he could be humiliated and rejected a little more. Because, hey, we don't kink shame here at Beer with Buffy. So, (laughs) this is brilliant. All it takes is some mild playground antics, and she's got Spike bodyguarding and breaking and entering for her. I mean, all she had to do was ask, and she did. Exactly. (laughs) But I think it helped that she didn't flinch at him, and then claimed to be his better.
1: I, I, I think he's a sucker for that kind of thing. I think he just liked being directly invited to go do something. Right, like, think think of how fucking lonely he must be.
2: <laughs> like, let's all empathize with the completely abusive douchebag. But well, yeah, still, but though, like,
1: yeah. I mean, he's a fucking evil vampire who's happened to just be neutered. But yeah, That's it. He's been but completely
2: like, separated from his former lifestyle. Exactly. He has. And we're seeing real evidence of change because of that. Yeah. Like, we were hesitant to say it at first. Like, no, he's he is actually the worst, and he's still evil. He's just neutered. Yeah. But that's not to... There's no reason that that can't cause real change. This doesn't make him a good match or a good person or not toxic and not abusive, but he is legitimately changing due to the chip in his head.
1: Pretty much all the moments... So the last few episodes, we've the moments that we've gotten with Spike were really cringy. the The last like handful of scenes that we've gotten with Spike, he was what? What's that
2: word for hitting on a girl by being mean to her? Negging. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of negging and exactly. There's probably been gaslighting in there.
1: This is the first time where we get scenes with Spike interacting with other characters. That he actually genuinely feels there could be a chance he can come around someday. Right. You know, he joins this adventure with Dawn, and like the dynamic between the two characters is fantastic.
2: She makes a wonderful argument here that she's badder than he is because she's breaking out, uh, she's sneaking out of the house to break and enter and steal classified information, whereas all he's trying to do is give a broken box of chocolates to an unrequited love.
1: Also, he can't hurt anyone. <laughs> and
2: he can't hurt anyone, but he's still trying to be threatening towards her. Yeah.
1: And she knows
2: that he's completely unable physically to do anything yeah. to her. So she truly is in the position of power, and that's hilarious. Not hilarious. I That's a really shitty way to put it for feminism. I'm holding feminism back by phrasing it that way. Help me.
1: Um I would say it's it's feminist. It is a yeah. feminist
2: moment out of a 20 plus some year old TV show that still juxtaposes uh, a young woman into the position into a position of power over an established powerful male character and that is something to be applauded. Yeah. There. That's
1: how I I that's what I meant. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, from there we go to the magic shop. Yeah, magic box. Again. I mean, yes. It's not
2: like we haven't been there. So,
1: um, <laughs> Where Spike is picking a lock. Mm-hmm. I like his little, like, it wasn't quite quote of the day, but I like his little bit here when uh, Don is, like, impatient that it's taking him a while to pick the lock. Uh-huh. And he's just like, well, usually I just bust through him. <laughs> right? He kind of
2: needs to leave less evidence of break-in this time around. <laughs> And it's not the first time he's broken into this magic shop. No. Just maybe the first time under this ownership. Yes. And she finds the notes in the book that Giles put away Yeah. Uh, super fast, uh, almost with celerity, frankly. Um, uh, speaking of celerity, there's a, a note I wanted to make about that. You remember the last episode of Angel where we're like... Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is one point for that episode that we didn't give it that I wanted to uh, make a quick correction. When he was in the backseat of the car with Lila, and we were like, how did you not notice an adult male in your back seat?" But then he leaves with celerity so fast that the back door doesn't even open. Well, how the fuck do you think he got in
1: without her noticing? That's a valid point. <laughs> it's fucking celerity. I don't know. I think it would have been more hilarious if he was just like leaned down over. <laughs> that is
2: funnier. But... Canonically, I think it, it makes perfect sense that he got in with Celerity because he got out with Celerity. It just
1: like the whole idea makes me think of this uh, really like one of my favorite uh, pokes at Batman mm. is this sh- this short comic. I can't remember who the hell drew it. it. Wasn't like an official comic, mind you. It was just like a web comic that showed Batman and Gordon talking to each other, and Gordon turns around and Batman's gone. <laughs> But then you see him like hiding behind a desk.
2: <laughs> oh oh the the little cartoon yeah. parody. yeah okay, I've seen that yeah yeah that's that's funny because it's hilarious and it,
1: it's probably accurate <laughs> right because
2: he's human. he can't have celerity exactly. fuck, fuck him fuck Batman. No, I like Batman. he's fun. uh <laughs> he's an idiot billionaire. It's really fun. so yeah, I know it's not as fun to unpoke holes in angel. Uh, Angel is really just our punching bag at this point, but credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, Dawn reads Giles' notes and in the span of, like, a minute and 30 seconds, uh, she and Spike parse out that she is the key. Uh
1: Uh-oh, specatios.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, life goes on. Well,
1: because the line is basically, it's talking about uh, people outside reality can see the key's true nature and all this, and she starts realizing that crazy people have... been acting weird around. Yes, her. I really
2: like that they pull back from foreshadowing moments, especially the crazy people pointing at her and going, "You don't exist" or something. And yeah. that was basically, and there was something else, other than the uh, w- uh, the monks brought them to her to the Slayer, brought the key to the Slayer in the form of a sister. Well, that's kind of a dead giveaway, right? But the lead up, it, it all well, was very believable. I it, thought
1: I liked how they they put it together. Because you, have, you ever read a book, and I don't read books. You know I don't read. <laughs> you ever read a book and you're like <laughs> you're following along and you essentially figure out the twist like a half a page before they reveal the twist, mm. and like you you manage to like put all the pieces together right before it's revealed. That that was, is exceptionally satisfying. Yeah,
2: and that was Westworld for me the first season. Um, I watch more TV than I read. books. I
1: do read sometimes. Climax of the second Mistborn book—that's uh, that happened with me—is I figured it out like a pa- the page before.
2: Mm. Mistborn climax. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: anyway, I—I they do a really good depiction of that. Not that this is a pleasurable experience of figuring it out right before you're told, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, no, but it's a good lead-in. Uh, I, I thought
2: it was a good reveal, regardless of all the other shit that's going on with this episode that I disagree with. It is it's a good it's a, 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 a reveal. Right. I can't see what it looks like, the one thing.
1: I don't know if you're demons, I to
2: Cut to Buffy's house. Buffy laments not getting so much as a shitty greeting card from Riley.
1: Yep. Willow, Tara, and Buffy fail the Bechdel test. Boy, they sure do. <laughs> I
2: didn't even think about that. You're not wrong. Uh,. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh, why would you get a fucking card from right. him, Buffy?
1: Why would you want to at this point? My, Ew. Fa- my favorite bit here, though, is like, she's like, you know what? Let's start a tradition. Birthdays without boyfriends. And Willow's like, hey, you know. I'll beat you to it. <laughs> Heyo. <laughs> Lesbians.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. Hey, Riley's gone and they don't have to pay him anymore. So yes. everybody wins. <laughs> um, and that means we can have Spike in every episode now. Uh, Tara, as they're talking about Riley and failing the Bechdel test, gets a horrific look on her face as she sees something over Buffy's shoulder.
1: Momentary pause here. Just a a content warning, trigger warning here of self-harm, because we're going to have to talk a little bit about that. A little bit about self-harm. Just want you all to be prepared. Yeah, that's the thing.
2: It's in the the actual episode. If you're actually watching the episodes before you watch this, you'll know. Some people watch the episodes after. So, anyway... As far as moments in dramatic or even horror genre go, I have to say, the look on Tara's face filled me with dread. I didn't know what I was about to see, but I knew something (laughs) fucked up was just behind Buffy in this moment. But holy shit, I applaud Amber Benson's acting in this moment. Not just hers.
1: Michelle Trachtenberg. Oh, yeah. Like, holy shit. She sold
2: this. Absolutely. Oh,
1: my God. She sold. I'm just I'm getting fucking goosebumps just talking about the scene. Sure. And I mean, it was intense. But
2: that one moment where Tara just gets wide eyed and slack jawed was the equivalent times 50 of cresting the top of a roller coaster that you didn't know you were on.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because like, there's nothing, there's absolutely fucking nothing to prepare you for this. It it is, it is a hell of a fucking twist because at this point, like in your head, you're thinking timeline wise, she's still at the magic shop. Oh yeah. Like you don't quite, it doesn't click that, oh, she must've had time to get back home. Mm -hmm. Cause like she's standing there, a cut down her arm, a knife in her hand, her line here, I wrote down her entire line, kind of cutting out what Buffy and Joyce say, uh, because it's just fucking intense. Because she says, is this blood? This is blood, isn't it? It can't be me. I'm not a key. I'm not a thing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What am I? Am I real? Am I anything?
2: Yeah, that's a hell of an existential crisis right there.
1: for Especially for a 14-year-old. Yeah. Like, well, party's over, everyone. Don't got to go home,
2: but you sure as shit can't stay here. Yeah. So, uh, nope, <laughs> not even you, Giles. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall uh, her discovery of what she is... Uh, I don't recall Dawn's discovery of what she is being quite so dramatic and gruesome. Right? But damn, I gotta say, well
1: cool. fucking done on the writer's part. I, I did not remember this at all. Yeah. I had to pause it and take a moment. And
2: this really, like I said, means to an end. This makes the writer's choice of informing the Scoobies, uh, this very poor choice of, Safety wise of informing the Scoobies of Dawn's yeah. true nature, a damn good choice. Yeah. Because this really moves the plot along. And actually, canonically, it makes a whole lot of sense. Buffy's still human. Right. It
1: was a and bad call. The Scoobies. But she had the right intentions. Right. And heart I behind mean, it. But historically the scoobies have always been bad at fucking communicating
2: yeah they're they're a very emotional bunch and they're uh, learning as they go and they fuck up often yeah but they manage to pull it together later as a team and it warms my heart cockles and that's what we were really going for right oh yeah we need those heart cockle warmers
1: up in Don's room they kind of Try and calm her down and talk through it. Uh, she
2: wonders how long she's been alive. Which and is I'm like, Only six months. Oof, that's a tough question. Joyce tries to be like, You're 14, you know that, honey. And Buffy's like, No, we're fucking done with the gaslighting, Joyce. Yeah. She fucking knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, she's not particularly comforted by their offerings of comfort. I mean, Dawn
1: is very upset. It's and a huge, She has absolutely every fucking right to be. Absolutely. It is a huge
2: mind fuck. And she accuses them of only wanting to protect her because it's Buffy's job and not actually caring about her. Personally, I would have thought that she'd be Which, relieved to know that she's not fucking crazy about all the weird shit that's been happening.
1: Yeah, but she is also still a hormonal teenage girl.
2: As Spike points out later.
1: So, like, I definitely get the whole, like, oh, this is about you, isn't it? Like, I get that from that, from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that dynamic. That's exactly where someone that age going through this immense emotional trauma definitely. would would lash out like that.
2: And so it all turns out to be just a bit too much for her. And you know what? That's fair. And she screams at them to leave. And thankfully, they do. They just say, "All right," and goddamn. night,
1: Michelle Trachtenberg can fucking scream. Dude. Yeah, that was a <laughs> hellacious scream.
2: Oh, oh boy, it hurt. It felt so fucking real. Yeah. Um, God damn. I mean, <laughs> I learned in high school: do not ask drama girls to scream because they will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have trained for it,
2: <laughs> <laughs> or it's just something they were into. Before this, and it's why they got into this. They get they get attention from screaming loudly and blood curdlingly. Uh, or I, okay, I'm really just thinking of one person that I know. If if you happen to be our one Patreon supporter who went to high school with me, you know who I mean. <laughs> so cut back to the magic box. Buffy's yep. on a mission to find out more information about the key because holy shit, she feels really bad about Dawn right now. Can't blame her. Xander mistakenly assumes it's because she's knuckling down on Fighting Glory, but really, she just wants to help Dawn.
1: I absolutely fucking love Buffy's reaction here and her train of thought.
2: Yeah, because uh, she feels like Dawn simply deserves to know where she comes from.
1: Yeah. Basically, the moment the decision of whether or not to tell Dawn is taken out of her hands, she is like, okay, I... like." The fucking path is 100% clear. This is what we're fucking doing. Yeah. Either help or get out of my way. Yeah.
2: The elephant in the room has been exposed, and we're moving on. And you know what? Frankly, it, it really was time. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Plot-wise, writing-wise, definitely. I'm glad we don't have that hanging over all our heads anymore. Uh, because even though we, like, finally agreed with their decision to withhold information about somebody tactically... That is still a burden. Even yeah. as just a viewer of a television show, you know? I'm you know, like, can we all just stop lying? You please? know, you,
1: you mentioned like adoption earlier. And the, the kind of true. The whole thing <laughs> kind of feels like that's not too bad of an analogy. Yeah. I've read that it is suggested to parents who adopt children to like always have that be a thing. That is known like not lord it over, obviously, but just don't keep it a secret. Yeah. Don't like hide it away. It's they ask, where did I come from? Well,
2: I'm not your birth mother. You were born here and this is your story. Yeah. Just act, treat it as matter of factly as you treat the sex talk.
1: Or etc. Like, you know, how a lot of parents go way, way too far in making their kids believe in Santa Claus, only for that to be a fucking crushing reality. Oh when they my find
2: god, out about Santa it. Claus is psychologically one of the worst things yeah. you can do to a child.
1: And I've never gotten it. Like <laughs> I just realized I'm about to say the sentence and I'm like I'm not a parent, I'm not gonna be a parent. But uh, you know, if you wanna be a good parent, you just be honest with your fucking kids treat them like the adult you want them to be yeah
2: because they are yeah like they are don't treat them like children exactly and anyway it, we're, we're if, off. You, if you have children and we sound a little too soapboxy i apologize uh but that's how we feel about it coming from a non-child having standpoint and we think we're being helpful uh, we... Uh, it,
1: it, it, <laughs> I openly admit it is fully informed by our trauma.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we are broken little boys. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like we have good ground to stand on when we say these things. If you'd like to open up a debate about it, we have a Facebook page.
1: Yeah. And a Twitter. And an email.
2: And a phone number. And a phone Give number. Give us a call at 269-743-0783.
1: <laughs> so, uh... So, anyway... Back to the scene. Uh, Giles is wondering how Dawn found his book. Mhm. How they how she even got in the fucking magic shop. Mm-hmm. And Anya notices a cigarette in the urn of Ishtar. Yes.
2: And Buffy has an aha moment.
1: Yep. Smash cut to Spike's crypt. They know someone who smokes. Who
2: could that possibly? Oh, Spike. Buffy completely fucks up Spike's fingernail paint job in order to blame him for letting, hard air quotes, Dawn learn something that he did not even know about her either, which doesn't make any fucking sense. But she sure has taken out a lot of raw emotion on Spike here. Yeah. He's good for it. He's immortal. It's fine.
1: Well, and Spike gets to get a little knife twist in here. Because he points out to her how she should have been honest with Dawn
2: yeah. about all this. Yeah. And
1: and Buffy fucking knows it. Yeah. She knows that she should have been honest with Don.
2: He has a, a terribly, a strangely legitimate case uh, that he was just keeping Dawn safe on an adventure that she'd have taken sooner or later, whether he was there or not. And-, and had Buffy been more honest with her in the first place, this wouldn't be happening. So from Spike's perspective, I think this is a valid defense. Uh, He is only circumstantially wrong. Like, Buffy tactically should not have told her. The mistake she made was telling the Scooby gang, they're great, but they also are just a gaggling flock of dipshits. Yep. And she wouldn't have figured it out if they hadn't known. It's, yeah, what the actual fuck. Uh, Again, means to the end. End is great. Means (laughs) shitting. I
0: will always be here for you. And you've got Mr. Giles and your friends.
2: Believe me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Cut to Don's
1: bedroom. Yep. Joyce comes in and is like, "Don, you're going to be late for school. Why the fuck does she have to go to school? There is this little kind of
2: passive aggressive, you want me to make you some chicken and stars? Treating her like she's sick
1: and she's like i'm not fucking sick mom there there's two two lines in in this exchange that i particularly loved uh dawn in response to going to school says i'm not going to school blobs of energy don't need an education <laughs> <laughs> and i just really liked the, that. She's not, she's i kind of agree i also wrong. agree um but yeah joyce basically responds with this with this overly saccharine lovey I'm gonna be a good mom to you when it's like that is that is not what you ought to be doing like she obviously wants to be left alone needs to be left alone Mm -hmm. but Dawn stabs back good and hard with you're not my mother ouch and that's just it's true but harsh it is yeah there's a
2: lot of shit to work through, and yeah, she definitely calls Joyce out on her well-meaning but poorly chosen tactic yeah. of helping her. And she decides to that going to school is a better way to get what she needs than staying home, and she does. I
1: wonder what that was like.
2: <laughs> I know, right? Going to school to escape shit. How do you think I got
1: into theater? <laughs> <laughs> so, cut to the hospital same way everyone got into theater josh <laughs> being a broken <laughs>
2: abused individual that's correct and at this hospital i believe we're in the mental ward where yep. jinx and I, I at this point i think they just gave up on drag altogether yeah i think the actor probably had a conflict or they didn't like him as a person and they just switched to another identical character with a different name Because somebody might have noticed. Uh, So Jinx is pestering Ben about some uh, bullshit with Glory. And Ben tells Jinx very specifically which of his own assholes he should be stuffing things up. And offers assistance.
1: Yeah. Do you need help pointing out which asshole? Because you have more than one. Did you know that? Uh, No, I don't. Well, you're gonna.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to use the original one? Or this new one that I'm about to make here and here and here. Anyway, so he's trying to tell Ben that he needs to set his animosities aside. Your fate is directly linked to your magnificently scented glorificus. (laughs) Um, And he's like, yeah, what's she going to do to me? Fucking nothing. Because he knows that they share a body. Yeah, And she ain't got shit. Otherwise, they... Probably would have happened a long time ago.
1: This is another one, kind of one of those things that I wish I hadn't known. Like, this was kind of spoiled for me the first time I had ever watched Buffy, that they shared a body. Mm-hmm. And so I really kind of would have loved that reveal, what it would have been like. Hmm.
2: I want to know what effect this plot had on the step-sibling porn community. <laughs>
1: If any, I'm not gonna touch that subject. Uh, moving <laughs> oh, on. Oh, come on. Uh, we go to Buffy's house in Dawn's room after school in the evening, where Dawn is going through her journals. And you know, this is kind of a an emotional moment. I think you figure we've seen Dawn write in her journals before. It was kind of her thing. Oh, it's and, how she start. It's how she was introduced as a character. Yeah, and you know. Only six months of those journals is real. Weird. I wonder... That would be fascinating. If you actually, like, say this actually happened to you, you could go back and you could probably pinpoint the the moment that... Where you were You actually literally started writing the journal.
2: Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fascinating thought experiment. But obviously not something any of us can experience in reality... Right. ...that I know of. So... Um, Joyce and Buffy are discussing the situation downstairs. Joyce's instinct is to smother Dawn because it's Joyce. Come on. So Buffy corrects her and tells her to give the girl some
1: goddamn space. Joyce in this episode has very much the energy of a parent going, well, have you tried not being gay? <laughs> right. Right she had she obviously wants to fix Dawn and make her happy again. It's like that is not how people work.
2: Shouldn't we just keep gaslighting her? Uh, yeah, it's uh uh, uh uh anyway so all right back to dawn Dawn's upstairs and proves again that she this poor girl just simply has the worst timing yeah on the planet. Because she overhears a small portion of the conversation between Buffy and Joyce, where Joyce complains about Don saying horrible things at school and getting suspended, to which Buffy responds, and I quote, she probably feels like she can say or do anything right now. She's not real. We're not her family. We don't even know what she is. And of course, yeah. Buffy is saying this to empathize with where Don is coming from, but yeah, Don yep. only hears... The literal words coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Oops. And that's actually, that's great writing. Oh, it is. That is a subtle difference in the delivery that only native English speakers or longtime English speakers could even pick up on.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: and it's all about the lead-in
1: to the the
2: line. Also the lead-in, which she missed. So this understandably revs Don into this instant rage, She starts throwing shit around her room and starts ripping up her diary. And then back downstairs, I feel like we kind of had to back up the clock a few seconds to get to this point in the conversation where Joyce is like, Buffy, how could you say such a mean thing about your own sister? And Buffy's like, no, 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 no. I mean, from Dawn's perspective. And uh, she offers a valid solution. That's what I like about people. like." throw a wrench in the gears all you want, but offer solutions. Otherwise, exactly. You're not being productive. So she's like, we're going to be able to fix this. We're not going to be able to fix this with a hug and a kiss and a bowl of soup. Ha <laughs> ha. She doesn't even know that Joyce literally offered her a bowl of soup, right? but that's a dig at her
1: anyway. But she, no, she probably does know that Joyce offered her a bowl of soup. How would she? Cause she knows her mother, <laughs> I guess.
2: <laughs> but, uh, She says, Dawn needs to know where she came from. She needs real
1: answers. I'm like, yes. And Joyce does reply back with, okay, yeah, but she needs her sister, not the Slayer. And in this instance, they are both right. Yeah. Well,
2: this derives another quote of the day for me. Joyce says, like you just said, what she needs is her sister, Buffy, not the Slayer. And Buffy says... The Slayer is the only thing standing between Dawn and this god from the bitch dimension that wants to shove her in some kind of lock and give her a good twirl. Mom, I need to be out there doing my job. I, I, I really enjoyed the uh, shove her in some kind of lock and give her a good twirl. It It's was, very
1: animated. It was
2: very... Uh, It was very Buffy speak. Yeah. And uh, also, I kind of agreed with her. Like, she's trying to be a good sister by being a good slayer. And she's trying to show her love with actions, not words, because words have surely failed them at this point. Oh, yeah. But in the midst of this argument, the smoke alarm goes off. Buffy briefly mistakes it for Willow's spell, her perimeter alarm spell.
1: But it's not. No. Uh, Dawn set all her journals on fire. Whoops. And apparently leapt out the window and left a fire
2: in her wastebasket. And Joyce is uh, surprisingly stoic in this moment.
1: I think I figured out why this episode hit me so fucking hard. I empathize with Dawn a lot. Yeah. In how some things were handled in growing up and how I was informed with shit that happened in my life. I... Totally understand the moment of losing your shit and destroying the room you're in. Oh, completely. Um, and I had a moment where I had that breakdown of what's even the point, and I burned all of something that was very important to me.
2: I shattered a calculator in the middle of class one time because I was so stressed about
1: oh, I've done that. <laughs> I did that many a times in school. I put holes
2: in my walls in but, my bedroom after throwing shit around only to be met with more derision from my mother well, and zero understanding. It's it, it was so fucked up. I I mean, <laughs> anybody who's ever had their emotions regularly and completely invalidated when they were 100 percent right Uh, can empathize with Dawn. And both of us know exactly where that's coming from. Yeah. Uh, So um, Buffy, guess what, gets to run off and find Dawn now. So we cut to the magic box where Buffy raises the alarm bells with all the Scoobies present, even Spike.
1: Even Spike.
2: And uh, she sends Giles and Xander to the center of town, uh, Willow and Tara to the west side of town, and she and Spike will take the east side. Okay I want to point
1: out one the thing I had you put a pin in which I can't remember what you were talking about me at that point but um this right here I just wanted to mention it's very very subtle because everybody else in the scooby gang is constantly responding to the thought of dawn as like She's this new thing.
2: Well, they're they're struggling. They are all notably struggling with the knowledge of their memories of Dawn being fabricated.
1: Right. And I do get that. I do get that. Yeah. But Buffy is handling it exceptionally well because. Well, she's known longer. But she handled it exceptionally well when she found out even. Hmm. Because you remember she had that moment where she came home after finding out about it. She had the she had one freak out with Dawn.
2: But that was but that, before she knew the true nature of Dawn. Right. She just knew that she was some sort of outside
1: exactly. entity. And the moment she found out that Dawn was completely fabricated, she just took it in stride. Yeah. Like I I know that this isn't what the writers were going for, but this the whole way that all the characters are reacting to this, to me, reads how some of my trans friends have talked about living after coming out as trans. I
2: specifically thought it was very analogous to uh, knowing trans people because Buffy catches herself referring to Dawn as a what instead of who. exactly When she's talking about the Knights of Byzantium finding out about the key. And uh, that was very analogous to accidentally misgendering a trans person. Yeah,
1: and you know... I'm not trans, but my partner is non-binary. One of my closest friends is trans, Mm -hmm. and another close friend of ours is is non-binary. Yeah, and you know, a large portion of my social circle is queer, trans, or something. Yeah, and like they they weren't writing this. But this is how it feels. And it it does it really well because there's a difference between a person misgendering you when they're legitimately trying to not misgender you mm-hmm. versus an, a person who misgenders you because they don't give a shit. Yeah, And then they catch themselves because you're there. And, like, I've talked with a few people and it is a very real issue. I just really commend how Buffy handles it. Because she, you know, she's misstepping too, but she in this moment puts her foot down and she's like, No, it doesn't fucking matter that she's only six months old. All of our memories, we choose them to be real. She is real. Oh, she yeah, is a that person. Was... And this is no, th- we're done with that conversation. Yeah,
2: it's very, it's very heartwarming that they they make that conscious decision yeah. to accept her as a member of the family. Exactly. Um, even though they know that. The memories are technically false, but she still—that doesn't change that she's a real person with real emotions. Exactly. And the memories might as well be real at this point. Yeah. All of your memories are technically false.
1: They're just—they're just fucking random shit your brain makes up. And... They're
2: literally no different than memory in a hard drive at this point. Exactly. After it's happened. Exactly. So that's fun and reality crushing. So. Once upon a
0: time. There was um, a kitty. She was very little,
2: and she was all alone, and nobody wanted her. Did the kitty get chosen by some nice people? Well, now you ruin the ending. Anyway, as you
1: said, <laughs> Buffy like dulls out tasks. They all part ways. We cut to a park briefly. With Dawn walking around, and she's remembering playing in that park when she was when they first moved it to, to town. She yeah, she's
2: remembering Buffy pushing her on a swing when they were younger, and she looks all lost and forlorn, like you do when you're having an existential yeah. crisis. Cut to a back alley downtown somewhere where Xander I have out.
1: never <laughs> ever wanted to hurt Xander. So much. He needs a good thrash in here. And I I don't mean like, oh, someone needs to just punch him. No, I mean someone needs to beat him to a pulp with a baseball bat for his behavior in this entire scene.
2: That's really intense. Let's work (laughs) up to it. So Xander and Giles are having a perfectly reasonable musing over the idea of remembering all sorts of things about Dawn. And as Giles puts it, uh, the idea of a bright 14-year-old actually being living energy, thousands of years old. And energy, which people have killed and died for and raised armies to control, etc.
1: It is a hell of a thing to wrap your head around. It
2: absolutely is. And it's all poignant. And then fucking nice guy Xander has to go no, and no, make. No, no. This isn't even nice guy Xander. We'll fucking get there. He has to go and make the creepiest possible observation for the sheer sake of stroking his sad, pitiful ego. That Don kind of, sort of has a crush on him. And while well, isn't that just something? Um and- just saying, powerful being, big energy gal, digging the Zan, man. Some guys are just cooler, you know? And Giles has the exact proper response, which is a, well, uh, okay. It is a reserved, but proper response. Yeah, it's the
1: it's the proper reserved response.
2: With a discerning look, <laughs> as if Xander were actively squatting over his bowl of Cheerios at the breakfast table as he delivers a king-sized chocolate bar for an early dessert. And then Giles walks away as if the very concept of
1: impropriety has been shaken on a global scale, for it surely has. This is by far the absolute most inappropriate thing they've ever written for this character. It really is.
2: It's not even... And again, let's put a pin in that. Because there are other things that happen or that are said, rather, later in this episode that similarly are fucking inappropriate. But yeah, uh, I I completely understand the uh, the baseball bat urge. That being said, why don't we just move on? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Unless there was something you really needed to expound upon.
1: Nope. Nope. We're good. Okay. Uh, We cut to Spike and Buffy.
2: Someone who's actually cooler.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, we cut to Spike and Buffy, and Buffy is yelling out Dawn's name, and Spike is like, that's dumb, you should stop. Yeah, she's literally running <laughs> away from you. Uh, you're just going to make her run farther. We have a really good moment here between these two characters. We do, in fact. Uh, because Buffy admits that Spike was right about how you know she should have told Dawn. Which he technically was. And then we get a quote of the day from Spike here. Uh-huh. And it goes, she probably would have skipped off anyway, even if she never found out. She's not just a blob of energy, she's also a 14-year-old hormone bomb. Which one's screwing with her more right now? Spin the bloody wheel. And yeah, sure, the existential crisis is a big deal, but also, like... She's still a 14-year-old girl. (laughs) Right.
2: I mean, I'm not 100% convinced that she would have run off anyway, because if this hadn't been happening, they probably wouldn't have been gaslighting her quite so much. Right. And she probably wouldn't have flew off the handle quite so badly. I really think he's just actually empathizing with Buffy. He's surprisingly supportive and empathetic, and I see no... No telltale signs of having ulterior motives uh, in trying to comfort Buffy. I would actually say that this here right now might be truly the first moment that these two interact as friends in a completely non-awkward, self-conscious way. And
1: I believe it. I believe it. Exactly. I believe it, especially because the dynamic that Spike has with Dawn makes this feel more genuine. Because, like... He has a good dynamic with Dawn. Like, he actually enjoys hanging And respects hanging at her. And respects Dawn. And also, if there's anybody in the entire fucking episode who is handling the ridiculousness of Dawn perfectly, it's fucking Spike. Yeah. He doesn't once slip up and call her a thing or anything like that.
2: Yeah, or... Whisper about her behind her back. I can't believe she's not real. Oh, my God. Uh, Or, hot take, Spike is full of shit and completely fighting every deep down urge to control his desire to laugh in Buffy's face because he knows that the long game move here is to show empathy and gain trust and dig his claws in as deeply as possible so he can get his hand all the way up her anus through the esophagus and into her skull, so he can make a humiliating puppet show out of the slayer. Figuratively, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Figuratively. I mean both.
2: <laughs> Why not? So he, like,
1: he does like Don. <laughs>
2: Why not both? Why not? I, I truly believe the first, though. But yeah. based on Spike's history, it could
1: be option B. And I mean, Spike has always been a little bit more humanistic for a vampire than any other vampire we've encountered. He's always been
2: an emotional boy. Yeah. Definitely. So we hear an ambulance siren in the distance. Cut to an alleyway. Yep. Where Dawn is walking as an ambulance with full sirens passes her by. Probably the same one. Yes. Almost certainly the same one. She decides to follow it to
1: the hospital. Where, you know, she goes right into the hospital. Sure, why not? Nobody stops her. (laughs) Why would they? And she goes right into the psych ward. Again, nobody stops her. Why would they? And she's there to talk to the crazy people. Because she remembers
2: at least three insane people approaching her and saying weird shit to her
1: before. Yep. And, and you know, she wants answers and she figures that they might know things. Hey, because, these, you know, these crazy.
2: people have been the most honest to her <laughs> in the last 13 episodes. You know, that's
1: valid. Yeah. It's very valid.
2: So this time is no <laughs> different. But this time it makes sense to her. Yep. The now insane knight of Byzantium, Orlando, as we happen to know his name, he's there and he recognizes her as the key. Yep. Don desperately runs to him, hoping to get more information out of him, but he quickly goes back to spouting what sounds like gibberish to her, but we recognize it as the the knight's chant from earlier. The link must be severed. Such is the will of God. Yeah. Such is the will of God. And uh, so Don gets miffed and runs
1: to the door. And runs into Ben. Hey, it's Ben. Oh, you seem upset. You know what you need? Hot chocolate. Hot fucking chocolate. Specifically, stolen
2: illicit hot chocolate. <laughs> the way they wrote his line about the here's a hot steaming cup of chocolatey goodness I, it was indistinguishable for just a moment from something Xander would say. And now it's like, that's the California in them coming through. Oh, I bet. Yeah. That's where it was. That's where it came from.
1: Uh, He's But yeah. just a valley boy. Did you know that this episode is brought to you by Illicit Hot Chocolate? Always the best way to have hot chocolate when it is not yours. And <laughs> you have stolen it. <laughs> but
2: are there marshmallows?
1: No. You didn't steal marshmallows, apparently. What
2: about monkey brains? Can we put some I, monkey brains in it? That would help.
1: Have at that. Which one's easier to find? I'm not sure. Marshmallows are easier to find. You can even make marshmallows. It's difficult to make monkey brains
2: indiana jones and the temple of doom has led me to believe that monkey brains all you have to do is go on a wild adventure to i don't know some foreign country i'm gonna say (laughs) that
1: that is inaccurate and uh
2: they'll feed you baby snakes straight from the mother's um, womb
1: no it is inaccurate and uh let's be honest racist
2: fresh chilled monkey (laughs) brains yeah (laughs) god damn it It's racist. George, whatever your last name is from Star Wars. Lucas. Lucas. (laughs) See, that's how much I care about him. (laughs) Fuck you, George Lucas. You ruined Star Wars.
1: Anyway, this is the moment where she reveals to Ben that she is the key, or rather gives him enough information that he's like, oh my God, you're the key. And he starts to panic and tells her to run because Glory is going to know. And she's on her way here right now.
2: And Dawn, understandably, is a bit confused and wonders how the fuck could he possibly know about the key? Well, we're about to find out. Because she doesn't know how to fucking listen when somebody goddamn well tells her to run. Especially with an ominous panic. In this case, Ben direct quote, Go before she finds you. Don't ask me how she knows because she always knows. Just go.
1: I don't, I, I don't know about you, Josh, but if I were sitting having hot chocolate with somebody that I have had ex- enough experience to know them to be a calm, collected, sane, sane individual, I was gonna
2: say a sane person,
1: and then they all of a sudden, out of nowhere, start freaking out and yelling at me to run away. Jumped
2: up and said, "Run for your life!" Surely depends on it. I. I think I'd run. I don't think I would think about it at all. I think I I it would just happen. Wouldn't question it too much. I mean I was sure would question it as I'm running. I'd be like, boy, I have a lot of questions for later. I don't know why I'm
1: running. <laughs> but everything in my immediately immediate vicinity informs me that this is a good choice.
2: Uh-huh. And I would have enough adrenaline in my bloodstream where running would really be the only physically good choice for me. <laughs> Otherwise, you just can't, I hate that heart pounding and you're not doing anything sensation, you know? So, too late, he clutches onto her arms as he terrifyingly informs her that The call is, in fact, coming from inside the house. (laughs) She's here. As Ben morphs into glory right there in front of Dawn's face. Bam! There it is. Dun-dun-dun! Einhorn is Finkel! Finkel is Einhorn!
1: God, that's a terrible reference. And
2: Ace Ventura isn't funny anymore, goddammit. It's not. But that's all I could think of.
1: That's a very sexist reference. Is
2: it number one or number two? I just want to know how much time I have. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a just, poop joke. That's just a that's toilet just joke. That's just a poop There's joke. There's nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, no, the the entire Finkel thing, very yeah. transphobic. The whole... It's like the definition of transphobic. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um, uh, so... Anyway, anyway. <laughs> first things first. Glory... Instead of Ben, it's Glory now. She slips into something uh, simultaneously more and less comfortable. Yeah. Uh, it appears to be some sort of red satin top. I, I guess
1: Ben just she carries com- her clothes around with him yeah. to make things easier. Um, she complains about cotton. It's so pedestrian. <laughs> I happen to be a fan of 100% cotton. Thank you.
2: I uh, Well, that's because you're a blue-collar loser, Rex. <laughs> You're not a hell god. What do you know about materials? I have a definitionally blue-collar job. <laughs> you kind of do. Yeah. I, I have two of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, it doesn't take long of Don being petrified and confused for Glory to start threatening to rip her spine out. Yeah. And then start digging deep on exactly why the fuck the Slayer's little sister was hanging out with old Benny boy. And she goes as far as to backhandedly imply that Ben was being inappropriate with her. Well, for fuck's sake, Glory, he's not Joss Whedon. Yeah. Remember that pin we put in the thing about Xander? Yeah. This is where it is. Yeah. And also a little bit in the next scene that I'm just going to skip a little bit. Well, uh, let's put a pin in it again, and then we'll really dig deep. I I really want to save the real discussion for after the Gerarg. Yep. So we're we're gonna pin that again. Just remember, this yes. was Ben being inappropriate with you. <laughs> oh, okay, moving on. And uh, so, oh, and Glory also snaps a security guard's neck and returns to Dawn with her signature Valley Girl psychopath casualness. Feel
1: free to tell me if this next part gets a little too personal, because I'm told I have boundary issues.
0: But I'm I am and I am beautiful
1: cut to the park yep where nobody can find dawn and so you know Buffy rightfully decides I guess we'll check the hospital because hey there's you know, normal people danger out here, too. Yeah,
2: there's always the chance she got mugged in an alley. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. So they, uh, they're they off to the
1: hospital. Back at the hospital. Yep, where Glory's questioning Dawn about the key. I really was surprised that they stayed at the hospital. I was kind of expecting that she'd like take Dawn back to her fucking penthouse or something.
2: Right, but uh, they, they need to stage a, a fun... Well, yeah. Scene for the fight. So uh, now they're in a lab with lots of glass beakers and tubes. And
1: and x-rays on, on the wall. On the light With those backlight and, yeah.
2: things, exactly.
1: But kudos to Dawn here. She is a clever, clever girl. Oh, yes. Because she angles the situation so that Glory needs to tell her more about the key.
2: Yeah, she starts digging for information. She's yeah. got the opportunity. And she doubles up on... Buying herself time. Yep. I'm going to get information and buy time. So Dawn plays along really well, asking questions like, well, what does the key look like? Maybe if you told me more about it, I'd know if I'd seen it. Yeah, great move, Dawn. But here's where that pin is coming out again for a moment. Glory does this weird thing where she pins Dawn against the counter, looking her up and down, and does this sniff at her face suddenly yeah. then stares intensely into her eyes and it's seriously correct me if i'm wrong please i want to be wrong so bad it seriously looks like she's about to throw dawn up on the table but she doesn't and isn't that what's
1: important i didn't read it that way really i didn't
2: okay Because the biggest. So between the the Xander moment of, ooh, she's got a crush on me, and Glory saying, was Ben being inappropriate, and this moment right here, remember it, everybody, the in the face, the look up and down, any one of these things alone, no big deal. Two out of three, all right, whatever. All of them combined, who's writing this slasher porn? What is going on? So still pin back in that uh, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that after the Gurarg yeah so cut back to the front lobby where Buffy informs the Scoobies that Don has not been admitted in any official capacity to the uh, to the hospital and just then (laughs) the most unprofessional idiot I think, I think he was a janitor.
1: Be- no, he was a security guard. He was
2: wearing overalls. I watched this several times. Oh, was he? This guy was telling the security guards, ah. and he was wearing overalls. There's no way he was a security guard. Uh, he walks past talking <laughs> way too loudly about this guy who has nearly had his head twisted clean off. You got to see it. And at this exact moment, he passes through a crowd of civilians that happens to be the Scooby gang.
1: His whole tone was more of like, hey, guys, look at this like weird rock that I found. Yeah. Like, <laughs> someone's dead. Yeah.
2: I'm like, wow. Weren't they lucky to be there for all that information? <laughs> yes, uh, thank you, Chris Farley. So Buffy surmises from this that it must be a sign of glory. How convenient!
1: I mean, Occam's razor.
2: Yeah, she wasn't wrong. No, I—I mean, you gotta give some leeway to the writer team. They had to get him there, and they didn't have a whole lot of time. I'm fine with this kind of bottlenecking of the
1: plot. Yeah, whatever. It's gonna happen. So back to Glory and Dawn, where they're just kind of chatting. Dawn worries that the key's evil. (laughs) Glory is
2: notably on the other side of the room now. Yeah. Not pinning Dawn against the counter.
1: It's it's a very casual chat.
2: Yes. And uh, (laughs) so Dawn asks, is the key old? Is it evil? What is it for? Glory really fucks with her on the evil
1: question. She's like, oh, totally. Yeah, it's like really super evil. I don't think Glory's fucking with her at all, (laughs) because she says it's about your perspective. Okay. Because to the good guys, the key's not evil. To the bad guy who's trapped on the mortal realm, the key is evil. Hmm. Because it's the fucking, it's what keeps her here.
2: That sounds like true neutral to me. Yeah. It's all in how you use it. Yeah. It is not inherently good or bad. That is correct. Okay, so... Uh,
1: <laughs> Evil! But here is where Don slightly overplays her hand. Slightly. And Glory starts suspecting that Don is playing her. Specifically on the... It's a key, right? So there has to
2: be a lock. What does it open? Yeah. Uh-oh.
1: It's like, uh, that information isn't relevant to you... Understanding what the key is, and if you've seen it.
2: I smell a fox in my hen house. But, yeah. uh, Luckily, she's not the brightest bulb in the crayon box. No. And uh, she's like, I know what's going on here. You don't have a damn clue where my key is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, they were kind of, like, hinting that she was, like, Starting to lose her mind a bit. Yeah. Like, she's getting close to the point where she needs to suck someone's brain. And I was really expecting her to turn and look at Dawn and see Dawn for what she was. Ooh,
2: because if she gets too crazy... Yeah. Then she'll start seeing... Oh, my God. I bet that's how she finds out later. That's my guess.
1: <gasps> Oh, the, I I sure as fuck don't remember.
2: Huh? Oh, damn. That's yeah. cool. That's going to be neat. I look forward to
1: that. Uh, but we get, we get I get a quote of the day here from Glory. Me too. I bet it's um, the same one. Two birds, one stone, and boom. You have yummy dead
2: birds. <laughs> to add on to that quote of the day. Specifically, she wants to send a message to the Slayer. And I could use a little pick-me-up. Two birds, one stone, boom, you got yummy dead birds. Now I'm like, holy hell, you just had Orlando like this morning, didn't you? <laughs> what, do you need three square meals a day of fresh human sanity?
1: What are you, diabetic? A I per- mean, maybe per- maybe she's like a camel and needs to stock up for a long winter. <laughs> sure. Oh,
2: I don't know. Um. Anyway, these, these are not the words of a sane person, no. but I, I like but the she's way she's not she, a person. I like nor the way sane. she... That is true. <laughs> Truth. I like the way she thinks with her stomach, though. Get the grill out. Can relate. <laughs> yeah. It's time for summer. I'm sick of winter. But anyway, Buffy snaps it to a Slim Jim, grows some wings, squeezes a can of spinach so hard it parabolically arcs into her mouth and washes it down with some fruit punch Kool-Aid because she's all like, oh, yeah. Get the <laughs> hell away from my sister.
1: And they fight. So Buffy attacks Glory. Spike tries to help fight Glory. Nah, yeah, It's adorable. Uh, but he gets thrown.
2: And then Spike calls her a skank. Yeah. Glory calls Spike Buffy's boyfriend.
1: Buffy takes very much exception to this. Yes. Buffy tries to distract Glory so that Giles can shoot her with a crossbow and it just fucking bounces off her. Like a foam dart right Almost like it was a real foam, foam dart. I can't imagine. Uh, Taro and Willow are in the background chanting. Xander gets uh, some crowbar action. Yeah, you know, good classic weapon of choice. Which
2: happens to end up doing more damage to Buffy than
1: anybody. Yeah,
2: because uh,
1: he, he clubs Glory with the crowbar. It doesn't do anything. Of course not. Uh, and then, you know, she chucks Xander into Giles. And... And then sends... She Java
2: launches the crowbar at Buffy. No, she she launches it at dawn and Buffy dives into it. Oh, yeah. Buffy takes the crowbar instead. Uh, she's fine, though. They're all bloody. Everybody's bloody. We finish up the fight with Willow and Tara sealing the deal with some beautiful pixie dust and some chanting that makes her disappear. They pull off a kinky teleportation spell. And uh, they don't know where she went. Because but- there's kinks. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> Got to outside where uh, Glory joins the Mile High Club, but without the sex or the plane or an airplane, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and she falls. I think wasn't the Hollywood sign in the background.
1: I didn't. I want to say it
2: was those hills. It looked like the Hollywood I didn't Hills. Notice. Okay. Anyway, hospital lab. Right back to the hospital lab. Giles chides Willow for using such an advanced spell for an adept such as herself. Foreshadowing. Yeah. And then. I'm not crying, Josh. You're crying. No, I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Buffy checks on Dawn to see if she's okay, (sighs) who still can't understand why Buffy would or should care. But Buffy assures her that no matter how she became her sister, she is now her sister. And she loves her. And
1: fuck, that's beautiful. They do the whole, like blood siblings thing because they, they both have open they, wounds. They n- Nobody
2: had to cut their own palms. It was perfect. Yeah, I love that they're just canonically, completely choosing to accept all the fake memories as real now because it's yep. just nicer that way. And since it's all for a good cause anyway, all the better.
1: Exactly. And, you know... There's no reason not to. The scene closes out with... Buffy pointing out that Joyce is probably freaking out right now and we need to get you home.
2: Notably, Dawn remembers that Ben was there but can't seem to remember him becoming Glory. And Buffy... Bluffy. <laughs> I said Bluffy. Buffy takes a moment to mentally note to thank him for helping her later, which I something tells me is going to come up real soon.
1: Yep. Uh, the last line here is Buffy is like, oh, Joyce is all probably freaking out. You know, Dawn's le- legitimately worried that like, oh, how is she mad that I like set things on fire in my room? And Buffy's like, no, you probably got to get out of jail free card, you know, due to big love and trauma. <laughs> And
2: Don uh, decides to take it one step further and asks if. Do you think she'd raise my
1: allowance? Mm, don't push it. Gur arg. Ger fucking arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Give, 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 give me more!
0: Nights I shall walk in here. Hold on. You've got something in your eye.
1: All right, Rex. This episode hits hard on so many different levels for so many different reasons and not all of them good. Not all of them good. Uh, First thing I want to get out of the way. That
2: whole awkward pinning nonsense, um, literally and figuratively, so... Xander um, needing to be beaten with a baseball bat because he's proud that a fourteen-year-old has a crush on him, and boy, that sure makes him cool. Uh, one of Glory's first instincts is to say, "Well, what was Ben being inappropriate with you, little fourteen-year-old girl?" And then nearly doing something inappropriate to her herself. God, she had this hungry look on her face, like a the fucking a wolf from into yeah. the woods. So we all know this is fact, real life fact. Uh, There was a rule on set, and I'm sorry if you've all heard this eight million times now and don't want to talk about it anymore. So I'm going to try and keep this short. On the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they had to make a rule where Joss Whedon could not be left alone under any circumstances in any space with the actress. Michelle, Trach- Michelle Trachtenberg. Yep. Yeah, because the one time that they did, she came out of the room horribly shaken. We have no yeah. other details. No other details. And this <sighs> this ho- hints to details. This hints to details. This hints to Joss Whedon or some writer. I don't. I didn't. You know, I should have looked up who wrote this.
1: And uh, I have looked it up. It is Stephen D Knight. Okay. Well, that
2: doesn't mean that it didn't have Joss Whedon's influence on it because it really feels like somebody said to themselves, I cannot contain my inappropriate desires towards this minor and I don't know how to express that. So I'm going to write it into this script.
1: Uh, It actually looks like this was the first episode of Buffy that he wrote. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, he wrote a lot more Angel than he wrote of Buffy.
2: Okay. Well, I'm not saying anything bad about him. We we all have our informants about uh, Joss Whedon's behavior on the set yep. and his influences over the writers. We know how he treated his writers and how he was uh, very persuasive and inappropriate with the writers. Yep. So... Just because that's the writing credit doesn't mean this doesn't have Joss Whedon screaming in the background with inappropriateness. Yeah. And just completely laden with overtones of pedophilia. Yeah. And uh, that makes your desire to beat Xander with a baseball bat pretty appropriate. I, I've felt like this whole show. Xander is a ringer for Joss Whedon.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and when I mean, they realize... He he has said in interviews that he wrote Xander to be an everyman.
2: <laughs> everyman. Yeah. Hard, hard air quotes there. But,
1: yeah. I <sighs> So, that's
2: as brief as I can keep it. Yeah. I'm a little drunk. How'd you feel about this episode, Rex? Like, aside
1: from that... Oh, God, it was so fucking good. Pretty good, otherwise. I oh know, right? Oh, my God. It hit home in a lot of little ways, but the emotional scenes in this episode, the acting was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like... Amber Benson, oh my god. Yeah. Amber Benson's... Ermagerd. Michelle Trachtenberg's... Oh, she's... Like, just slayed this shit. episode.
2: Holy shit. And Sarah Michelle Gillard. I, I
1: I can't imagine being this good at literally anything at age four Fourteen. Oh my god, seriously. Or well fifteen. But fifteen still. still. She, I mean she started
2: when she was in before she was ten. Yeah, I know. She's more seasoned of an actress here. She's pretty much the exact same age as us. Yeah. Then I don't know. <laughs> She's got more experience here than probably other adult actors on the oh, show yeah. at this point. It was it was stellar. I I don't feel like there's anything I can add that we haven't already talked about. No, I I
1: completely agree.
2: My God, we're so over on time.
1: Yeah, we really are. The the last final thing I want to say is I want to say to you, Ah. you were right because you pushed to do back and forth between Buffy and Angel. Yeah. And I resisted that. Yeah. Eventually, I caved and halfway through watching this episode I was like oh god this is so much better than the last episode of Angel and then I realized the last like handful of episodes of Angel have been just not fun yeah but I'm not burnt out because we keep coming back to the better Buffy
2: (laughs) honestly for that reason I've been thinking
1: recently I was wrong for us to be doing it back and forth I mean, like that, yeah. But However, could you imagine the slog of going through those that bad chunk of Angel episodes, like, and just every week, every time we record, it's an, like. No, that would be
2: hard. Incidentally, I think this. You're right. This is better overall.
1: It does take a little bit of shine off, but it's
2: so much better. It's helping us <laughs> hold on to the bigger picture, exactly, and it's dragging out. In a good way. Yeah. The good parts. Anyway,
1: what's your quote of the day, Rex? In the end, with how this episode hit me, I think I'm actually going to go with a line that we didn't actually read in the the episode recap. And that is what Buffy was saying at the very end. After asking if, if Dawn is okay, Dawn's like, oh, why do you care? And Buffy says, because I love you. You're my sister. And Dawn says, no, I'm not. Buffy says, and this is the quote, Yes, you are. Look, it's blood. It's Summer's blood. It's just like mine. It doesn't matter where you came from or how you got here. You are my sister. There's no way you could annoy me so much if you weren't. (laughs) And that right there encapsulates the whole episode. It encapsulates all the emotion here. And it is the chef's kiss to all the amazing, deep emotional acting we've seen in this episode.
2: Good. Excellent quote. There were a handful of really deep quotes between Buffy and Don that really encapsulated this episode and were super emotional and highbrow writing. And I'm glad you chose one of those so that... I can go with um, Spike's interaction with Don. Jeez, lurk much? I fucking knew it. <laughs> I wasn't lurking. I was standing about. It's a whole different vibe.
1: I knew at the moment you read it in the recap that, that you're, you were going to pick that one. <laughs> I felt it. Ah, uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was. It was an excellent fucking line and perfect delivery, as you would always get from James Marsters. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to find us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, We've been getting a ton of traffic and interactions in our Facebook group. It's been a lot of fucking fun. Loving it. You can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com You can message us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also give us a call, leave a voicemail, or send a text to 269-743-0783 We would love to hear any of the feedback that you have. If you'd like to give us official feedback you can do so on iTunes with a review and hey whatever podcast app you listen to check there you might be able to do reviews on it and let us know and we will send you a sticker damn right free stickers seriously we want to give you free stickers free stickers for all Uh, if you would like to purchase a sticker and not do a review I, I don't know why you'd want to just pay for it and not get it free but you can do that at beerwithbuffy.com slash shop if you would like to just financially help us out make this show possible you can join our list of executive doodle at patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy as always thank you very much to JJ Treadway for all of our opening and closing music and not so much the Buffy cat theme <laughs> this has been Beer with Buffy I'm Rex I'm Josh have a good night.
2: Keanu Speed Rex.
1: Reeves to be with you. Uh, you are the Slayer. Lives depend upon you. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility. And instead of which, you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color?
0: <laughs> you have a sacred birthright chosen to destroy vampires not to wave pom poms at people. Why can't you people just leave me alone? you are the slayer. Go ahead. The pen. I'm a watcher. I haven't the skill Oh come on by appealing by appealing to your common sense. Common sense. Common sense. Oh. Yes.
1: what have we done? Why are we watching this? (laughs)